so much of what we call participation is offstage or it's subtle. Uh, and, and you can think about how in a group of four, if one person just, it, it, their body language can kill the whole conversation. And so I, I felt like what this could do is at least start a conversation with students, make students more aware of how they behave in these small groups, how they work, how they interact, um, how that improves or inhibits the success of their group. My name is Rob Van Nood. And I'm Jeffrey Silverstein. You're listening to Elevate, a podcast about big ideas, little projects, and everything in between. Educators and students share their short, elevator pitch-sized stories to raise your awareness of all the interesting things that are going on here at Catlin Gable School. In this episode of Elevate, I sit down with upper school history teacher Pat Walsh to talk about his year-long action research project that explored the question, how do students engage in collaborative work, and how do we better record and assess it? Pat was one of four educators who worked with the Catlin Gable Ed Lab team this school year to investigate a pedagogical question using action research. The very brief version of what I did this year is I created a, a tool on a Google form so I could mark down and track student participation in my classes. And my classes have been discussion-based for a few years now. Uh, three years ago, I had the opportunity to spend a semester in Finland going to a bunch of Finnish schools, and I was really struck at how student-centered the learning is there and how often students would just come into class, get out their laptop or their tablet or even their phone and just get to work. And I was really amazed at that, that the students were really in charge of their own education. And so I came back sort of all on fire to try to bring that into my own classroom. And so I rearranged the desks in my room so the students were in groups, not because they do that in Finland, because actually they don't usually, because the students sort of take individual charge, because I thought our students would like that more, that uh, it also sort of was a twin, um, a double whammy, because it, I thought, and it has proven true, that having the students always working collaboratively really empowers the quieter students. I get that. That's one positive thing that I've had on my course surveys over and over and over is that the quieter students like working collaboratively in a group of four instead of a group of 16. So, um, you know, knowing that learning by doing is the best thing, knowing that or realizing that I was increasing the amount of, of class participation that was happening by a fourfold because instead of maybe me well maybe fivefold because instead of me doing most of the talking now I do a few minutes a day I don't really think about it anymore and instead of maybe one student speaking back and forth with me or you know I call on a series of students there are often four conversations happening in the classroom sometimes more and so um, really it gets to this fundamental question that we've been talking a lot, uh, talking about a lot in the upper school, um, a couple of questions, which is um, really what do you measure? How do you measure things? Um, 
is there use in giving a grade for something you can't quantify? Which I think is a really rich question. Because if some of the things that we want students to do are um, develop skills of, say, empathy, right, can't really be quantified. Should you give a grade for it? It, it For me, it was when I read the book Grit. Um, this you know came through, like, how can you quantify persistence? Or should you teach something like persistence or empathy if you don't plan to give a grade on it? So those questions, I think, are really tricky questions. And I don't, I don't have any really good answers to any of those questions. But this is related to that, like directly, because participation is something that teachers for a long time have had on their syllabi. Often it'll be like 10% of a grade, 20% of a grade. And I think at least at the collegiate level, often it's just wiggle room where a teacher has some sort of I don't know, it's it's a little corrupt, I think, where a teacher can sort of bump up a student or down a student and say, oh, they participate all the time or they don't participate at all. And um, I'm uncomfortable with that. It just seems a little disingenuous. And so I wanted to find a way where I could actually see how students were participating, working in these groups. But the thing that made it tricky for me is that it felt like surveillance because Often when we grade people, we grade them down. And so going into it, I wanted to chart the participation, but I didn't want the students to feel like I was looking over their shoulder and I was going to grade them down if they texted a friend or something like that. You know, I didn't want that to be the dynamic in the class. I wanted it to be like a positive. And so um, with your help, Rob, I, with a lot of help, I made this tool and, and I changed it a couple of times over the course of the year. Um, that was a Google form that basically had the student's name, names written down a vertical column, and in the horizontal was a series of skills that, or just things that they were doing that were positive, like asking questions in the group, answering questions in the group, um, using the text in the discussion. So, you know, saying, hey guys, over on page 84, it says that, that kind of thing. And so the idea would be that in this grid of checkboxes, I could just tap with a stylus or with my finger every time a student did one of these practices. And so it would be a bunch of positive things that they were doing. And then um, I could see where each student added to the whole and where they might want to give more attention uh, maybe one student asks a lot of questions, but they don't answer a lot of questions. Maybe another one keeps the group on track. And we know that there are these kinds of roles that are played. Um, I was talking to my students this last week because they're doing a big group project about it's also okay to have a role and to have a strength and to say this is something I do well, but it's good to be aware of that. And so partially this was supposed to be a tool for them to be more self-aware in the classroom because they are, these are sophomores, so they're 15 and 16, and you know, that's pretty young in terms of just self-awareness. They're just sort of coming into their consciousness in that way. So um, that was the idea. And I tried it in a few ways, this tool in a few ways, adding some things to measure, subtracting some things. But the problem that I really came up with, came up against, was how do I track what's happening at four different tables? which really like belies the fact that participation grades are so subjective because I've been giving them in these rooms where I'm missing 75 to 80% of what's happening. Right. 
And, you know, if that were written work and I said, like, I throw away 80% of the written work, I would never do that. But, I mean, I think that says something about how we actually value um, oral communication or group work. And so that's really the truth at the heart of it is that I felt like I was seeing, I was noticing things I'd never noticed before. I was noticing students subtly adding to just through body language or through something like, oh, it's on page 47, or a student leaning over and helping another student. I was noticing all these subtle things that happen within participation and thinking how when I started teaching 20 years ago or so, it was basically how many times did they raise their hand? And just realizing, like, what a terrible, what a terrible way of measuring something. Um, so, in in some ways, this tool that you were using to kind of analyze what the students were doing, in turn, changed the your own perception of maybe what you were seeing or what you were looking for. Is that what you're? Is that the experience you had? Yeah. And what I would say is that, unfortunately, it made it less clear. I think that participation participation grades were added often for for good reasons when people uh, ran classrooms where they wanted to hear every student they wanted to see students be active ver- you know and speak in public but I started thinking well if one student sends another student an email helping them find something in the reading or even telling them what they're reading is, I'll never even know. And so, so much of what we call participation is off stage or it's subtle. Uh, and, and you can think about how in a group of four, if one person just, it, it, their body language can kill the whole conversation. And so I, I felt like what this could do is at least start a conversation with students, make students more aware of how they behave in these small groups, how they work, how they interact, um, how that improves or inhibits the success of their group. But really putting a number on it, it seems disingenuous at the end of the day. I haven't taken it off of my syllabus um, because I do think that there is this sort of subjective impressionistic sense at the end of a year. Uh, Here's a student who came to see me, asked questions in class, was ready to go when class started, um, helped their colleagues out a lot. Um, But this one tool that I had was certainly not enough. I think, well, I'll talk in a minute about maybe going forward, what I'm going to do with it. What I found myself doing at first was basically standing like a weather vane in the middle of the room and spinning around in circles trying to track four conversations. And then I moved to sitting down with one group for an entire class period. And that was a revelation to watch. I just had the tool in front of me and I was just tapping and saving, tapping and saving. And it was just absolutely fascinating to see, really actually to see how much interaction happens in a 45-minute conversation, how many people ask and answer questions and redirect and point out things in the reading and ask for help and ask for clarification, and and then how uh, we tend to think of leadership in these very, I don't know what the right word is, very like concrete ways, like the person who speaks the most or the person who says, let's do this now. 
but I could also see a lot of leadership and students assisting other students, right, and just keeping things moving in asking follow-up questions and so on. And so I really was impressed by my students. I think by watching them more closely than I've really ever watched them, except, say, during a presentation, which is a totally different animal, because this was another day at the office. This is just them going through some reading. Um, I was just really impressed by actually the depth of their understanding and also their collegiality with each other. It gave me a chance to see them being kind to each other in a way I don't usually see because what I'm doing is I'm, you're sort of like doing triage, right? You're going to the group where the conversation isn't happening and saying, what's happening over here? You know, how can I get you guys? Are you stuck? And then stepping back and then going over here and saying to someone, could you actually do that later? And, you know, so instead of doing that, I was just an observer. And so that was really helpful. But I think that going forward, I wouldn't, I would certainly not use this tool as my primary way of giving someone a grade. Um, I just actually this last week had a lengthy peer and self evaluation midway through a long project. And and it has a number of different categories where students actually are asked to essentially rate one another and to comment on one another um, on everything from you know their preparation to their listening skills in the group context. I think I get more out of that than I got out of hours and hours of standing there tapping on my little screen. But so I really feel like what is useful about it is that it's a way of taking a temperature of a class seeing the dynamics in a course, um, seeing, seeing students maybe in a little more detail as learners, but I don't necessarily think that it translates into uh, something that I want to quantify. Did you um, share these tools with students? I mean, did students know what you were doing? Did they know the language you were using, the kind of things you were looking for? Mm -hmm. And... Um, <clears throat> Did that impact, or do you think that impacted any way um, from the beginning of the term or the semester to, to the end, or actually a year-long, right? This was a year-long class. Um, I think their, their oh, participation. I think the answer is no. Uh, I think their chief response was discomfort that because it was a teacher paying attention in a new way. To in a, usually I think when students are working in groups, the teacher basically leaves them alone. And to have me so closely focused on everything they were doing, um, even though I, you know, I showed them early on and a couple more times throughout the year, everything on this horizontal axis is positive. But of course, the presence of a positive is sort of the absence of a negative, or the absence of a positive is the presence of a negative, which, by which I mean, if I never check the box that says asks or answers a question, that in some ways is a negative judgment on that student's performance, you know, in a 45-minute discussion if they can't be bothered to ask a single question. So it did feel, even to me, a lot like surveillance. I think ideally... And I don't know how I would do this. I don't want to leave the room behind some sort of like, you know, one-way mirror or something. But um, ideally, I would disappear. But that never seemed to happen. And it wasn't because I was butting into their conversations. It was just that I was so silent. <laughs> and there was the little tap, tap, tap. So I feel like 
I feel like this tool is, is, would be best if it were combined with self-reporting. When I looked at it with the students, I think it felt, I think they found it interesting, but it didn't really reveal anything to them. Because for the most part, they had done everything on the list in that amount of time. So instead, I think really all it does is it takes, us, takes me back to that basic question. What am I looking for? What am I evaluating? What am I evaluating and assessing? And then what's the leap from the conversation that I see to some sort of grade? And I think when, it's, when a student is completely checked out and negative or undermining the rest of the group, that's easy. But what's the difference between a B and a B plus, a B plus and an A minus? And I think I walked away from this feeling like that really can't be quantified because at that point you're starting to judge people on who they are. All right. Um, so one last quick question. Um, at the beginning, um, you were speaking about your experience um, in Finland mm -hmm. and coming back with you know kind of a fire, seeing all these students just getting started. Do you see any of the work you did this year around the participation, observing participation? Um, would that feed into that fire, or do, do you see any connections between what you, were so, you saw in Finland and your experience this year? Well, I feel like one of the big takeaways from being in Finland, very, very briefly, is that school is part of a broader culture, and you can't just sort of scoop out some part of an educational culture and place it somewhere else. So I don't think in Finland, in most, say, high school classes, they probably don't even have participation grades. Um, they have grades that are based on performance and outcomes and maybe work within a group if there's a project-based course, yeah. But not like in this country, we have citizenship grades or participation grades. We're always grading people on their behavior, um, which is you know, worth talking about. I do think what this has done, though, it has actually sort of revved up my fire again for thinking, okay, I did, there were times this year when I saw it, I saw the group was working and it was running on all eight cylinders. And so the question is, how can I get them back to that place where everyone feels empowered, everybody feels like they're part of a, the group and the project, and those practices don't have anything to do with my, with my Google form, right? But they do have to do with helping the students set up sort of group, group norms and dynamics, but also just giving them the practice of doing this day in and day out. And I honestly think this is a sophomore class, but by the end of sophomore year, they're really, really good at working in these small groups and working collaboratively. And I think the practice, the, the way of making that successful is to give them enough structure and enough practice and to foreground these kinds of things, like these are the kinds of skills that you are working on right now and to give them a chance to reflect on it. So it, it comes back to these sort of basic or maybe progressive ideas about how students collaborate and cooperate. But I, I think it has been a really great project for me to do because it has really focused me on that question of what kind of behaviors am I, am I looking for and realizing that that list of behaviors is far longer than I thought it was and far subtler than I thought it was. Great. Well, thanks for sitting down and, and sharing a little bit about your project. Um, mm -hmm. Is there, uh, could I put on um, on the description of the podcast, do you have a, an example of the form? Mm -hmm. Is that something we could put on there? Absolutely. And yeah. let people see how that uh, looks, even though that was a small part of it, but it got you started to get, sure. get you thinking about it. Sure. All right. Thanks. Thanks.
And look, I went. 